The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itocoaching.com. ITO Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITO coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer your questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you are looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, they are there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find them at www.slayrx.com. SlayRx is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayRx was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes, and now you can enjoy those same mixes. SlayRx offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products, and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayRx.com, or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, SlayRx offers fueling products like their product Diesel, which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legally enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for an alternative to gels, try SlayRx Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorb carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running, and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2019 at checkout on the website, and you'll get 10% off of anything that you purchase there. That's www.slayrx.com and Pleasant2019. Test, don't guess with SlayerX. Thanks to all of our sponsors for helping us to bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. This is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. We have for you today another one of our race report podcasts, and I'm excited to share this one with you. We're talking to Robert Hudson, who is my new friend. (laughs) Uh, One thing that makes this race report podcast different from the ones that we had in the past is that this is actually the first race report podcast that is with somebody that I didn't know prior to interviewing them for the podcast here. Uh, You'll recall that at the beginning of 2019, I reached out and said, if anybody's willing to volunteer for this new type of podcast we're going to be having over the course of this year, 
please reach out and let us know. And I had several people reach out to me, and I appreciate all of them. Um, and among those was this guy, Robert Hudson, who was training for the Berlin Marathon. He was originally from Scotland, but living in South Korea, and he had been listening to our podcast. And he reached out, let us know about his ambitious goals, and asked if he could come on the podcast. And we very enthusiastically said yes, that we would love to talk to him about the Berlin Marathon. Uh, and so that's what I'm presenting to you today. Now, you're going to hear in the podcast here uh, that Robert got the semester off from teaching. He's a teacher like I am. And he decided that since he had the semester off from teaching already, he would go ahead and lean into it and put two more marathons on his schedule for this fall. And so in addition to running Berlin, he then signed up for Chicago, which is only two weeks later, and New York. He's trying to knock out all the world marathon majors here. Um, and so that's pretty cool, but it's obviously a pretty aggressive, ambitious goal here. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about that. Um, let me remind you really, really quickly of the way that these interviews go, because it's been a little while since we've had one. I called up Robert on Skype, and we talked when he was still in South Korea about a week or so before he was set to leave for Berlin. And he talked to us about his goals, his anxieties, his training, the different hurdles he had faced in his training, and all that sort of thing. Um, and then I followed up with him a couple of weeks later after he had already run the Berlin Marathon. Now, as it turns out, I wasn't really able to talk to him immediately following the Berlin Marathon. I tracked him during the race and was eager to talk to him afterwards, but wasn't able to, to connect with him while he was still in Berlin. Well, he then went back to Scotland for a little while, and he said the section of Scotland where he was, the internet wasn't very strong, and so we would have had a hard time connecting. So we waited until he was all the way into the United States before we actually connected with one another, and he was in Chicago. Then we had a hard time because he was about to run the Chicago Marathon um, and was doing everything to get ready for that race. And so I ended up not actually talking to him until a couple of days after the Chicago Marathon. Uh, and so the post, we're going to hear him talk not only about how things went during the Berlin Marathon and did it live up to expectations, but then also what he did in the interim in between the Berlin Marathon and the Chicago Marathon, and then how the Chicago Marathon itself went. Now, quick spoiler alert. Chicago Marathon went much differently from how he was expecting to, for it to go. So he'll tell you more about that. But we'll play the first part of the interview here, the one that we did a week or so prior to his leaving for Berlin and run the Berlin Marathon. I'll come in at a quick interlude here in the middle, and then we'll listen to the second half of the interview uh, with Robert about both Berlin and Chicago. Let's get underway. Robert Hudson, welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be on. Right on. Robert, you are undoubtedly joining us from the farthest away that we've ever had a guest join us. You are in? South Korea. <laughs> very cool. You don't yeah. sound like you're South Korean, Robert. Uh, I'm definitely not. No, I've been, uh, I've been here since 2010. Mm -hmm. um, I just graduated from university and I came over here as a, an experience. It was only meant to be a year. Mm -hmm. um, and nine years later, I'm still here and I'm married. So I'm probably going to be here a little bit longer as well. <laughs> um, but I enjoy it. It's a good, it's a good place to live. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's uh, inspired the running, shall we say as well. Right on, right on. Very good. Well, and, and you're from Scotland. Yeah, um, and 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 then of course you like you said you finished university and went to South Korea, but the marathon you're looking to do is 
Berlin. Right on, right on. One week out from Berlin Marathon now, right? We are now, yeah. Getting very, very close indeed. So tell me how you're feeling. Uh, well, the training's gone really well, mm-hmm. um, as I probably hoped. And with a week to go, uh, you know, it's those phantom pains that start coming in right. and you start doubting yourself and everything. But I've gone through this before. I've done a few marathons, so I know right. it's all just the mind. Yeah kind of playing games with you and you just got to try and block it out and yeah. keep calm and keep the easy runs easy and uh keep stretching it out and just relax and all those things that um i'm trying to do and uh thankfully no injury has appeared so i think we're almost good to go right on right on right around the corner it's uh i feel like in that last week before a marathon i'll like make a turn and go up a slight hill and i'll like start breathing hard yeah. i'll be like oh my god i have no fitness <laughs> yeah i've done all of that as well yeah uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'm looking straight ahead. I'm looking at every little uh, crack in the road or yeah. incline, decline. Yeah, everything's. I'm so careful of everything now. Um, but it's yeah, it's an important race. I've I've been excited for well about ten months now to do this race. Right on. Um, and the closer we got, the more I was cautious of mm-hmm. don't get injured now, please. Right. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Well, but, why why this race? You said about ten months. Why why did you pick out Berlin? Uh, so 2018, I did Tokyo being relatively close to Korea. It was my first international marathon. And just that experience just blew my mind. It was just above anything I'd ever imagined from the expo, just to having a few days in Tokyo and then doing the race itself was just incredible. So that I met a guy in the hotel that I was in and he was doing, that was his, uh, he was completing all the majors. Tokyo was his final one. Mm -hmm. And that just planted a little seed in my head that after doing Tokyo, uh, I was like, yeah, I want to do, I want to do all the big ones as well. So, uh, Berlin was the first to apply for. And, uh, I said to my wife, I said, um, being so far away, if I apply to Berlin, Chicago and New York, (laughs) If I get accepted to all three, uh, can I, I was kind of asking for permission, uh, can I take a semester off from my job? Mm-hmm. Um, because I can't just take a week off here and a week off here. I'm a, I'm a teacher, so, mm-hmm. you know, we're in semester. Mm-hmm. So my boss was really nice as well with me. I got accepted to all three. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, my wife being the biggest support, she was the one that said, yeah, go for it. She can clearly see it's kind of a passion and a dream now. Right. So, uh, yeah, I've got to be very thankful to her for her support Mm -hmm. through training as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. as many of your listeners will know, when you go through training, yeah, we do all the running side of things, but I'm not doing the dishes enough. I'm not cooking enough meals. I'm not pulling my weight, shall we say, enough. So, yeah, you got to have support in many forms as well. And, uh, yeah, I've got to be thankful to her. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and uh, Berlin, another one is just it's on my birthday. So uh, it was kind of a little, uh, yeah, shall we say, another reason. (laughs) Right on. This is a a big semester-long birthday present you're getting. (laughs) Well, it it definitely is, yeah. Um, I have to count my lucky stars for that one. Right on. Right on. Very good. And so just to make sure that nobody missed what you just said, and this is something that you had mentioned to me like a week or two ago, that, that... you're going to do Berlin, and then is it two weeks? Two weeks later is Chicago. It is, yeah. And then um, is it three weeks or a month later is 
three laters, New York. Okay, very good. And and you have you have an ambitious goal for Berlin. Tell us what your goal is for Berlin. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna really push myself. Uh, if I can't do it for Berlin, I probably never will be able to do it. Perhaps, but uh, I want to just sneak under two thirty for mm-hmm. the the Berlin Marathon. Um, by a second, I'll be delighted, um, and anything else is a bonus. But uh, yeah, my previous record, which I did the Seville Marathon in February, I did that in two thirty four. Okay. So it's a four minute jump. It's a big jump. As you get in the two hour frame, these minutes become larger than a, um, when I started out at three hours and 10 minutes for my first marathon, jumping then down to 258 and then jumping down, you know, these are now becoming smaller. And I realized the, the difficulty, but um, yeah, I'm going for it. And uh, if I blow up, I, I blow up. There's another race to do in the future, but. Uh, yeah, I'd love to just be Berlin, the one just to sneak under two hours and 30. Right on. Uh, be a, a nice birthday present to yourself to get under two hours and 30 minutes. A nice PR present. It, well, <laughs> yeah, and a couple of beers after as well just to celebrate that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. And so so let's talk about, since we just talked about the other two marathons as well, let's say you, you get under 230, you, you get your 229. Um, yeah. or 228 or 227 or whatever happens, but you well, get your sub 230, you get your, your race that starts with 220 something, uh, yes. there, there at, at Berlin. Um, yep. and, and then, so what, how will you approach Chicago and then New York? Yeah. So, I mean, again, uh, naturally, whether it's my characteristic or, or what, but, uh, I will, I will race those races. Um, but I'm not putting a time to any of them. Um, because I don't see the value in that. I don't know what Berlin's going to do to me, mm-hmm. how I'm going to recover from it. So there's no point in perhaps arbitrary s- making a time for it. Just enjoy it. It's, yeah. you know, from my experience in Tokyo, there's thousands upon thousands of people on the streets. Mm-hmm. It's just a festival and you get to be the center stage of it. Yeah. And uh, that's what I loved about Tokyo. And that's what I'll love about chicago and new york when i come to those as well so berlin is definitely the a race it's the one i'm going for and then hopefully i recover hopefully i can race them and uh i would not expect to pr pr and pr that is for sure um so it's all about enjoyment and just ticking off a kind of bucket list um shall we say right on and so once you're done with with this group of three here you'll have tokyo you'll have new york you'll have berlin you'll have uh chicago um, yeah, London and Boston. Boston will remain. So, so what what are you yeah. thinking about for those? Uh, so that would be in the future. I mean, I I've just taken one semester off. I certainly I've not applied <laughs> for next year, so I'm not in yeah. next year 100. Yeah. Yeah. percent uh, So yeah, perhaps another year or two years down the line, and even if it was to be five or six line uh, years down the line, that's no problem. Um, but certainly. I'd love to just do them all at, at, at some point. It's an accomplishment to do a marathon, and uh, yeah, to to do all of those would be, um, as a person who got into running later, it would just be a nice little uh, self achievement um, kind of thing. I get that. Yeah, I you know it's funny. So I did Boston twenty years ago, literally, um, mm-hmm. and then I did New York just a few years ago. I did Chicago a couple years ago, and I'm actually doing Tokyo next year. I'm doing it Tokyo in. 20 oh, nice! Years. Oh, you yeah. love it. 
Yeah, and so I'm super. Okay. So hearing you talk about it, I'm I'm already super excited about it. And so hearing yeah. you talk about it makes me makes me even more excited about. It. I'm gonna get some of your tips when we, uh, when when we're done talking about you. Um, uh-huh. But uh, but yeah, I had never really thought about oh I want to do all the majors until I got into Tokyo, and now I'm like yeah. huh. All right, so I because that one feels hard, you know. It's like, yeah. it's like now we're starting to make an effort to do some of these. Well, you know, let's go ahead and do Berlin and let's go ahead and do do London. Of course, getting into London it's a trick, but but yeah, figure something out. So you're, yeah, you're, you're, are you still a British citizen? So you'd be able to apply for London through 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 that. I am, yes, yeah, and uh, I would continue to be that in the future as well. So um, yeah, that would be the hope. Right on. Very good. So, so tell us about your uh, your your preparation. There, any tune-up races or anything like that? Everything's pointing towards uh, that sub two thirty. Yeah. So, um, I mean, probably my training began from the moment Seville finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I I knew I was into Berlin, and I think only New York because they. I think their deadline is perhaps january something so i didn't know about new york at this mm-hmm. point but i knew berlin and chicago i was into um so from that moment i kind of started training in march um i stopped the doing the marathons until this one but i i love to race and in korea there's quite a lot of races actually every weekend that are not too far away so i did i think it was about seven half marathons and one 10k race mm-hmm. between march wow. And the end of May. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I took, I think it was 10 days or two weeks. I just took off, did nothing. Um, and then from the beginning of June, I started to build up the training for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so June was just kind of periodization, just starting easy and uh, a bit of hill work and climb a couple of mountains and mm-hmm. things, not really stressing out about it, not worrying too much, just getting the base fitness in. Mm-hmm. Uh, July, things got a bit on top of me. I planned to do about 140 kilometers, which uh, about 85 miles per week about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had semesters, we had tests, I had a, a wedding, uh, a few things just got in the way in it. Uh, didn't derail my training but I didn't hit the 140 as quick as I wanted to mm-hmm. that was more in August and then uh September the beginning of September I did I had two races planned two half marathons the first one I planned to do it at just race pace mm-hmm. uh 330 kilometer min- um per kilometer uh I did write it down 540 a mile mm-hmm. and that was throughout uh the second so i finished that one hour 13 to 30 Mm -hmm. which is what i basically planned to go through the half Mm -hmm. maybe a a few seconds uh slower but Mm -hmm. around that mark Mm -hmm. the second one unfortunately was called off because of a typhoon that hit korea the weekend and they couldn't set up the race etc so it was just called off on the friday evening Mm -hmm. uh and i planned to do that one a little bit faster um kind of put a little bit more speed into it, maybe hit the 111 mark, which I know I can do. I did 110 twice mm-hmm. in March and April, so I know I can do it. Um, but unfortunately, the second race was cancelled, so I've had one race. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked the second one, but I'm not going to stress out about that. These mm-hmm. things happen, so yeah. move on. Yeah. Well, and the fact that you got so many half marathons back in the spring – I mean, you have a pretty good indication of what you're capable of, you know. It's not like you needed that 110 in order to make you feel, oh, well, yeah. I can run sub-230 now. Um, yeah. So that's yeah, I, I've got confidence that I know I can do it. Um, but, yeah, 
the marathon and a half marathon, total different games. And uh, you can struggle through a few kilometers and a half mm -hmm. pushing for that 110. Mm -hmm. If I'm in that state in the marathon, oh boy, uh, I don't look <laughs> forward to yeah. what, what the outcome would be there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Right on. Well, so, so tell us a little bit about, um, uh, just because I don't know how many listeners we have in South Korea, um, but I can say for myself, I don't know much about the South Korean running scene. Um, and, yeah. And so tell us a little bit about like, uh, I mean, is there is there a scene and where do you run and where do you train and stuff like that? Talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, so I think the the running scene is quite popular in Korea, um, but I don't think they're as strong as, as what maybe the Japanese runners have been. Uh, they seem to be a little bit more uh, well known for their running mm -hmm. um, compared to Korea. But Korea definitely have... Um, universities and things tailored for athletes um here so uh a lot of the runners um in korea they are kind of separated out uh they can't join the races that i joined we just joined the, the typical masters races hmm. um only seoul international marathon they will take uh the korean runners and they go off at the start hmm. um so there's there's a lot of races um, in all cities around Korea. So it's good for the, 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 the people who just enjoy running as a hobby. There's plenty of options and choices. Um, on the, the more professional scene, I'm not sure what they would think about it. Um, I'm not sure if they have enough races or if they get put into international races. I don't hear much about the Korean, uh, professional runners, so to speak. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's great for, for just people who enjoy running as a hobby. There's plenty of options and choices. And a lot of um, ultra marathons are coming into Korea. They have a, a qualifier for Kona on the, the Ironman stage in Korea now. So uh, there's a variety of choices um, for, for a lot of athletes here. It's, it's really good, actually. Right on. Very good. Very good. It's hot, though, right? Yeah, we've, I mean, we've just come off summer now, so we're at the end of September, and thankfully the humidity and everything is, has dropped off, but yeah, your end of June, July, August, beginning of September, it's hot, it's what the Olympics is going to be next year for the athletes, um, so for your listeners who've read or listened to podcasts about the upcoming Olympics, they're really worried about, especially the marathon start yeah. time. Yeah. I think they're going for a, a 5 a.m. start, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, and it is hot. It is difficult. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of my long runs and training, there have been so many stops in between going into convenience stores to mm -hmm. grab a bit of AC and a water. And mm -hmm. uh, you guys call them popsicles, I think. Um, <laughs> but that became one of my training staples on the, the long run. What do you call uh, them? What do you, we call them popsicles. Uh, what do you call them? Ice bars. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Yours is um, much more straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was just, uh, I realized, I think it was, I know you guys have spoken to Alex Hutchinson, mm -hmm. um, but the book Endure, I remember taking a little line out of that, the Australian Olympic team. Yeah. They took in the slushy machines mm -hmm. for the yep. Beijing Olympics mm -hmm. um, just to cool the internal yeah. organs. So, uh, yeah, I tried a popsicle one day and it, mm -hmm just tasted fantastic in a hot summer's day in a mid run and it gave me a little boost of energy and from that moment i just continued it rather than gels mm -hmm. uh, i try not to train on gels mm -hmm. so much mm -hmm. um 
I'll take one or two in the long run, but to be honest, they don't really agree with me, I find. Mm-hmm. Um, but the popsicles were great as a little source of sugar and energy just to continue again. So, yeah, the the summer weather, it's hot, it's sticky, it's humid, yeah. not pleasant for runners. Um, you got to get up really early, mm-hmm. um, basically, to get your, your workouts done at your, the best of your ability, certainly. Mm-hmm. So is, is that pri- – so – and I ask this too, because out of my own interest, because you know, think somebody thinking about doing Berlin sometime over the course of the next several years here. I mean, I, you know, here in Atlanta, Georgia, I would have a super hot training cycle too yeah. if I had to try and have my my key marathon in late September. I mean, it's it's still this this summer has been record breaking, but we're still routinely hitting ninety five degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Uh, on, as the high high temperatures right now, and it's 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 horrible. It's 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 been a really really rough summer. So I can't imagine like trying to hit my key workouts. So 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 for you, it's been getting up early and stopping in convenience stores. Is that kind of yeah yeah? yeah I mean, I wasn't uh, the, maybe the first two or three runs. I was kind of frustrated by myself. I, you need to you need to suck it up. Basically, you need to get through these. But then after stopping, I was like, there's no point it's berlin is not going to be this type of weather so uh you know you're not cheating yourself by stopping the garmin and taking a minute or two Mm -hmm. you know i wasn't taking 15 minute breaks or anything it was it was quick one two three minute recovery basically um but i had to do it it's just so hot and some days especially the long run on the sunday morning Sometimes it wasn't easy just to get up at 5.30 again. Yeah. You know, I'd, been, I'd have another hour. It could be 7.30, 8 before I was out running. And by that time, it's the sun is burning when it's on you. So, yeah, uh, yeah um, it was what it was. Uh, you just kind of have to get through it mm-hmm. knowing that your goal, thankfully, I had a goal. If I didn't have a goal, I would be out there mm-hmm. destroying myself uh, yeah physically and mentally at times um but it, it's part of the process uh hopefully i can look back on it at kilometer 34 35 40 in berlin and say you know you put yourself through that you can you can dig that little bit deeper as well so sure. trying to just use it all mentally as a positive uh basically right on right on were there any other kind of special obstacles you faced um not particularly i would just say yeah standard life just Mm-hmm. Sometimes getting in the way of uh, the run and the heat, the heat just being the biggest one. But as I said, I've been here nine years. So I remember you had the podcast about heat acclimation or acclimatization. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely my body has acclimatized mm-hmm. to this type of weather. Um, perhaps not necessarily for 35 kilometer runs, 20 mile runs, but uh, I've definitely grown accustomed to the, the warm weather. Right on, right on. Um, and so speaking of like prep and that sort of thing, um, given that you have a more ambitious goal for this one, um, did you do anything different for this race or, or, I mean, cause your formula is kind of working. You, like you said, you started at 310, you cut it down to the 250s and you cut it down to 234 eventually. And so your formula is working. Did you try mm-hmm. anything new or are you just kind of continuing on with what's been working? Uh, continued on with what's working, but most likely what happened was I was just a, a kind of average runner who just popped out for maybe six miles here and there. Um, and then I did a few races maybe about four years ago is about when I started. Uh, I always played soccer, football, um, 
through my teens and early 20s, even in Korea. But that team, people left, people moved back home. It, it kind of dissolved. And I just took up running. And um, I went to a few races. And this one guy, he just kept winning all the time. Uh, so one day, I just grabbed him and I said, where do you train? Mm -hmm. And he trained by himself. So I said, can I train with you? This is all in Korean, obviously. He's a Korean man. And um, uh, he, surprisingly, he said, yes, okay, meet me here at the track this one day. So I went down to the track. I'd never done a track session in my life. Um, I have no coaching. I've never been coached for running. So I've just kind of all done it off the cuff, so to speak. Um, and he took me, we did uh, 25 laps of the track and it was just mental torture for me. I'd never run circles ever. Mm -hmm. um, but that was just the building blocks of me routinely every week doing one tempo session mm -hmm. uh, with him. And it was, he jumped me from a 117 half marathon to a 112 wow. in just a few months. Wow. So then I realized, right, you've got some untapped potential here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm never going to be an elite, obviously, but I've definitely got a little genetic gift for running mm -hmm. that I didn't know about in my early mm -hmm. teens or early 20s. I yeah. just always played football. And mm -hmm. I think uh, when I played football, I was never that good, but I was always the runner. So I was always kind of needed in the the team, so to speak. I was chasing here, there and everywhere, <laughs> um, but never a talented footballer, so to speak. But I, I enjoyed it. We did well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just from meeting him exactly about one year today, mm. uh, I had that tempo session locked in every week. Yeah. And that was a new beginning to me. And, I, and we've done half marathons around a track. Mm -hmm. And that's just built my mentality as well. I feel stronger for it. Um, so training with someone, just doing the staple long run as much as possible on the weekend. Sometimes it wouldn't be Sometimes I would get to 32 kilometers. Other days I'd maybe just cut short at 21, 22, but it's still a relatively progressive long run. So, mm -hmm. yeah, long runs. And uh, again, from listening to podcasts and things, I was certainly running my easy runs too fast at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I've taken that way down to, you know, 7.45 a mile, mm -hmm. eight minutes a mile now on the easy days. And uh, maybe... I'm, I'm not sure, but maybe I was more, um, how can I say that? But I was just concerned maybe about my Strava, how it looked and everything, I, shamefully I it. as it is. Uh, and, I, you know, I do a 3.45 per kilometer 10K, and then it would be like, oh, I don't want to do a 4.25. That doesn't look yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, but I've just learned, to, you know, who cares who looks at this? This is all about you and uh, your training. So if you need to keep the easy days easy, you've, you and Patrick have said it a lot. Other podcasts say it, books say it, you know, and I wasn't doing that. That's helped because it allowed me to build from 65, 70 kilometers per week right up to 120, where I feel about comfortable at about 120 a week. Um that seems to suit me well. Right on. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's super cool to hear. Um, I think that when it comes to Strava, um, I used to always kind of joke that Strava is the devil um, because, yeah. because, I mean, because exactly what you just described is that you don't want people looking at me like, I thought this guy was fast, you know? Yeah, exactly. and, then, and then, and then people like, you know, they, they, 
they they take your Strava KOMs or something or your CRs while you're uh, you know from, that you set while you're on an easy run and they want to talk trash to you about it. So I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it yeah. can be so bad. But for me, I, I think ultimately I came to a place where I'm like, you know. Let's go race, you know, because yeah. the race is what matters, you know. Exactly. Um, so, so yeah. Um, so, what uh, what are you wearing? What do you, what what gear are you going to use during the race? Yeah. So, uh, over in Korea, we're not blessed with a, a lot of brands being here. Slowly, that's, that's, that's kind of why in. I was asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the Nike and the Adidas are big ones here, and uh, I kind of side to. I've always just worn nike shoes and they've always just been comfortable for me so i kind of stick to to what i know Mm -hmm. especially with the cost of of a lot of um these products now you know the shoes are coming in at 250 dollars now and they're only going to increase certainly um so it's kind of just tried and trusted um i don't want to go deviating but certainly when i go on my travels to europe and the states um i'd love to probably pick up a a pair of hoka oneones um maybe the Rincons or something, just to try out and see what it's like. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be looking like a Nike fashion model, just <laughs> head to toe in Nike, embarrassingly. Um, but it's comfortable. It's what I'm used to. So I'm definitely not going to change it up now. Yeah. Um, so it'll just be weather permitting, singlet. Um, I've changed over to the, the half tights. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel they're, they're quite comfortable, especially... Uh, sweating a lot in summer yep. um, they seem a little bit more comfortable and then I'll be the Vaporfly 4% because I couldn't get the next percents okay. they are gold dust in Korea <laughs> I think there's only about 10 pairs here um, so yeah uh, as much as I've tried to get them uh, I'm going with the 4% but they're tried and trusted I've got a marathon and six halves on them so okay. uh, again maybe in the States I'll be able to treat myself. All right, very good. You know, it's um, I, I'm I'm on a in a Facebook group uh, that's about people who are into running shoes, and there are people uh, who live um, some of them live in, in Asia, and some of them live in various other places. But they talk about how they can't get some of the shoes or yeah. or, or or stuff like that. And that's that was one thing that I thought about with you. And so I I also have a, a friend I know from high school who listens to the podcast who lives in Japan. And he re- uh-huh. recently wrote me that he was actually going to be coming back to Atlanta to, to see his dad. And he said, while I'm there, I want to go to a running shoe store. Which one should I go to? And it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny being like, oh, I'm going to go to the United States. And while I'm there, I'm going to go to a running shoe store. I mean, but yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, so. yeah definitely. Uh, and I'd also like to just experience to get my uh, running form checked. I know a lot of stores in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah if you they're going to check out your your running form and stuff that doesn't happen in Korea or I've never seen it in Korea so um it would be nice to to perhaps do that as well for sure yeah the uh the the Nike town uh so like the big Nike store in Chicago uh-huh. it also has like its own special Chicago finisher gear by the way um, oh wow. so so stuff that you won't find at the expo and everything they actually have it at the nike town in chicago so after the chicago marathon definitely check out the nike town there i will do so, yeah thanks so, for the yeah. tip yeah, yeah yeah of course of course all right so so uh last question here uh anxieties mm-hmm. expectations for the race um have you checked the no weather one's... uh i did yesterday and uh i was trying to tell myself not to check the weather uh, just let it be. Uh, but obviously the closer you get, you get curious of everything. Yeah. Um, the weather's forecasted for about four or five days, solid rain. 
Okay. But having lived in Europe, um, rain can sometimes just be that drizzly feel, and that's what the BBC, I'm using the BBC here, so that's their prediction. Um, Temperature-wise, it's uh, uh, 19 degrees Celsius, okay. uh, minimum of about 10, so that's perfect yeah, temperature-wise. Sure. Can't complain about that. Um, but if it could just be a cloudy, overcast day with a couple of showers, that's perfect. Uh, I'll take a little bit of rain. Certainly, that's okay. Right as long as it's not a downpour yeah. um, like it was a few years ago, perhaps. Um, All right. Yeah. All right. What will be, will be anyway. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Robert, I'm excited for you. We'll uh, we'll circle back around after. Well, we'll certainly circle back around after Berlin. We might have to wait for a little yeah. while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, or 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 maybe uh, maybe maybe we'll be be calling you when you're in Chicago or New York or something else like that. But yeah, I guess you and I will get that worked yeah. out. So yeah, very good. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much, George. Yeah, best of luck. We'll be tracking you on race day. Excellent. Thank you very much. I look forward to it. So there you have our first conversation with Robert, and he explained some of the things he was nervous about, some of these expectations, some of the training he had done along the way and all that sort of thing. So as I mentioned in the intro, it took us a couple of weeks here to catch up with Robert. We had initially planned to talk to him right after Berlin, um, but at the same time, I wasn't in too much of a rush because there was part of me that kind of wanted to see how he recovered, and maybe if we could work it out to where we were talking to him after Chicago, we could. Um, and I kind of got my wish because he went to Scotland, and he was staying in a part of Scotland where he said the internet wasn't very good. And so that meant that we couldn't really get back in touch with him until he came to the United States. And then when he was in the United States, when he's in Chicago, that was the last couple of days before a marathon, and so he didn't really want to talk to us then, um, which is totally understandable. He wanted to focus on his race. He wanted to get his mind right for his second big marathon in two weeks. And so it wasn't until the day after the Chicago Marathon that we were finally able to catch up with one another. Now, I want to tell you two quick things before I hit play on the second part of the interview with him. First thing is to say that some of the sound is not awesome. Um, when we finally were able to catch up, he was in a coffee shop and there were some people talking in the background. And there's a couple of times when that makes the sound less than ideal. Um, I apologize for that. I tried to do what I could do to reduce the, no uh, the noise in the background with my software, but nonetheless, I think you'll be able to have no problem understanding what he's saying, and I got to tell you what he's saying is pretty interesting. Second thing is to tell you that, that I was so excited when I finally got him on the phone about his performances that I just pretty much jumped right in rather than backing up and saying, hey, Robert, tell us how you did. Um, and so I'll tell you what he did. Uh, he actually hit his goal. He ended up getting under 230 there in the Berlin Marathon. He ran 229.40. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, he comes back in Chicago. And as if 229 was not fast enough, he runs 228. Um, recall, of course, that he said he was simply going to kind of jog through the Chicago Marathon and make that kind of a victory lap. Well, he clearly did not do that. And so... Let's get back to our interview with Robert Hudson, or let's get to the second part of our interview with Robert Hudson when we caught up with him the day after the Chicago Marathon and heard not only about Berlin, but of course about Chicago as well. Let's give it a listen. Hey, Robert. How you doing, man? Yeah, very good. I'm Happy psyched today. for you. Like, I can't even begin yeah. to tell you. Like, I, I saw your time in Berlin, and I was, like, really, really fired up. And then uh -huh. I, I checked on your Chicago time just because I was like, oh, well, let's see how Robert did, you know. I know he's going to kind of yeah. jog through it. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, even I can't explain it. I have no 
logic behind it. The only thing was that the GPS was completely gone. From kilometer one, it was gone. Mm -hmm. So I basically just ran on field the whole way. And at 5K, I think I was through in 16 minutes and change. I was like, oh, whoa, hold on, hold on. Let's let's slow down, Tiger. Um, But yeah, everything kind of came, just continued as I hoped, really. Uh, But definitely the last few, maybe three miles, it was painful. Okay. Okay. Uh, I remember the girl. As it tends to be. I mean, you know, it's 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 the last five k of a marathon. It's the last five k of your second marathon in two weeks. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, a couple of the the elite American women they they were passing me at that point, Mm -hmm. and I was trying to hold on. Um, I think the girl Flanagan, mm-hmm. she was Lindsay the one Flanagan. that passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just passed me, and I was trying to hold on to her and her pacer, but she was away. She left me for dust in the last kilometer or two. Um, but no, what a what a fantastic race! Unbelievable. Awesome, awesome. awesome. Yeah. All right, so we need to back up <laughs> and yeah. just kind of and just kind of go back to the start, right? So, so of course. Everybody will remember that, that Robert's big goal was was the Berlin Marathon, and he was looking to go under 230. But then yes. because you have this semester off from teaching, you said, well, I'm going to go ahead and try and knock out three of the world marathon majors at the same time. And since I'm going to North America, I'll go ahead and knock out Chicago and New York. And so we were talking about three big marathons over the course of six weeks. Is that right? Five weeks? Correct. Yeah, five, I think, yeah. All right, very good. So let's let's start off talking about Berlin. Obviously, a, a pretty good day in Berlin. Tell us about that. How'd it go? Uh, so Berlin was the time to twenty nine forty, which was my goal, um, and I was trying to go at the pace that I was hoping to mm-hmm. to get that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, everything went well with Berlin, but the weather changed. Probably the last seven, eight kilometers, the rain started to come in. Um, and for a lot of the other finishers, that was torrential rain towards the end. Um, so I was, yeah, I felt quite comfortable. I knew I had the goal, so I kind of eased off. Uh, I knew I had the 229, whether it was 229.10, it didn't really matter. I knew I had it going into the last three kilometers. Okay. Um, so yeah, everything in Berlin was as I hoped mm-hmm. leading into it, mm-hmm. um, and to execute the kind of race plan was uh, yeah a delight. And my mom and dad were there, so it was even more special that uh, yeah I could share that with, with them as well. So it was great. Very cool, very cool. And you got to share the course with the second fastest marathon time of all time when Kenanisi Bekele ran 201:41. He probably felt you behind him. <laughs> I might have done. He might have done. Um, but yeah, what an unbelievable performance from him. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's an unbelievable feat of endurance to go that fast. Uh, right. I right. felt so sorry for him that it was two seconds as well. He'll uh, be okay. He'll be okay. Back to you though. Back to you. So, so um, Berlin's obviously a gigantic marathon, um, and it's super well known. Did it? Yeah. In terms of like the way the marathon was staged and the way the course was and all that sort of thing, I mean, what was it like? Did it live up to your expectations? Yeah, th- yeah, absolutely. Um, I only had Tokyo to go off of as a, a big race, um, and Berlin absolutely lived up to all my expectations. The the planning behind it all very easy, very comfortable to go in. 
um, you get set up in the corrals. Actually, it was really cool because you're they put you right in behind the elites. Oh, nice. So being in Corral A, you know, I was three rows deep from Bekele and, and the other African elites. I mean, it was amazing to just see them up close and uh, how thin they are. And, yeah, it's just incredible. Um, and the gun goes off and you never see them again. They're gone. <laughs> like, the sky. They're just... Um, but yeah, the course... Um, Generally speaking, an amazing course. One or two parts had uh, slightly emptier crowds on the side, but um, yeah. Other than the weather, I couldn't have faulted uh, the experience at all. It was um, incredible, and to go through Brandenburg Gate as the finishing uh, strip, it's something special to to look up and there's the big huge gate, and you run right through it into the into the grandstand area. So yeah, right uh, I right recommend it to anybody fantastic right on. race right on particularly for you given the fact that like you just said you you knew that you you had your goal in hand so when did you start to feel i mean did you go out like right on pace or or did you did you click out pretty even splits uh, or how to how to break down not quite even i always like to go out just a little bit faster just to give me a little buffer so i probably i think the the half i went through in 11340 okay um, and then obviously to finish up uh, two twenty nine, so it's probably a one fifteen second half, mm-hmm. um, something. So uh, I always that's just my style. I always like to just go out just so that I can hang on to something when the times get hard at the end, rather than chasing something mm-hmm. uh, towards the end. So yeah, the half no problems. Went through that, got to thirty two k, still felt relatively good. Um, and then probably, yeah, the last three, four K again, the legs started to, to burn a little, but I knew as long as I kept under four minutes a kilometer, um, which is probably 630 pace or something, mm-hmm. as long as I was under that, I knew I had it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I kept it at that and it was fine. It was great. Okay. And so you said that, that you kind of backed it down a little bit towards the end there. Did you... Is that because you knew you had Chicago and New York kind of on the calendar yeah. and you knew your goal was in hand and I stuff like that? I had Chicago and I knew my legs. Yeah. So I knew Chicago was two weeks away. In that moment, if I got a 228, um, it, it probably wouldn't have made much of a difference to uh, the 229. I just knew I had the goal. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to injure myself. I just wanted to enjoy the finale of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, I didn't push it. I just kind of strolled in towards the end. But, uh, yeah, a little sprint finish through the Brandenburg Gate to end, that was all. all right. uh, so, yeah, fantastic race. I mean, and so we're, we're going to talk about Chicago here in just a second because and, and you ran Chicago yesterday. We should probably should have situated that at the outset here. Um, and so... So Berlin was two weeks ago, Chicago was yesterday, and then of course New York is still a couple more weeks away. Um, but yeah. uh, but the 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 fact that you actually kind of shut down there towards the very end that probably yeah. contributed to your feeling pretty good yesterday in Chicago because like those last five k of a marathon, it's like a fifteen k outright. You know what I mean in terms yeah. of damage to your body and stuff. Um, so very good, very good. How was how was the the trip over to Berlin and everything? Because I know you know live in Korea. We had talked about how that was going to be you know not a not a not yeah. formidable challenge. So definitely jet lag was in effect 
um, throughout both races, actually. I've been uh, suffering from a lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but the trip itself is not too bad. Uh, it was a 12-hour journey, stop off in Moscow, and then head down to Berlin. I had two days to recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, my family were there, so we kind of walked around, did the touristy uh, sites and things. But yeah, the Saturday night before the, the race, I felt good. I felt relaxed and, um, yeah, woke up, felt fresh, and uh, went for it. Right so, on. yeah, right no on. problems. Good to hear. So you talk about the jet lag. Tell us more about yeah. that. Like, like, did you just decide not to deal with it and just kind of, just kind of grit your teeth and pretend like you weren't tired or what? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I, I can get by on about five hours sleep. Um, ideally, I'd like more, but I can always get by. So, um, generally speaking, I was waking up about four a.m. Berlin time, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, around six, seven p.m. I really wanted to go to sleep. Um, but again, I just kind of continued that on to about 9, 10 p.m. to get to get to sleep. Um, so eh, it felt okay. I, I don't need much sleep. Um, I, I'm lucky that way, so I can get I can get through it. Um, and the adrenaline kicks in as well with all marathons, as your listeners will know. A few days leading up to the race, nobody sleeps well anyway, so. Right. The adrenaline kicks in and you and you move on. Yeah. It's also it's also always easier moving in that direction. It's always easier moving west um, because that's you, right. You kind of stay up a little time. bit more, and then you have to get up early for your race anyway. And so so if you yeah. just, if you're just getting up early every single morning, it's not that big a deal. Um, so that 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 was probably helpful too. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so so um, things go well in Berlin. Um, you, you kind of backed it down the last little bit. Then you had two weeks to Chicago. Tell us about that interim two weeks. I know you stopped yeah. off in Scotland on the way. Yeah, the two weeks um, in between, I went back to Scotland and uh, just to stay at home with family, friends. Uh, so that was very much relaxing. I was running every day, but only ever between 10 and 15 kilometers a day. Very slow, very relaxed just to keep the legs ticking over. Mm-hmm. Um, I did one session last Tuesday mm-hmm. where I did uh, two by two kilometers at uh, probably half marathon pace mm-hmm. um, and a few sprints at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the only main session in between that I did. Otherwise, it was just slow, easy running just to keep the legs ticking over. Mm-hmm. And now looking back on that, it was absolutely the right thing to do. I felt great. I felt light. Um there was no tiredness in my legs coming into the Chicago Marathon. So, uh, yeah, I was happy with, with the way things went. Um, I think last, the week after Berlin, I did about 35 miles. Mm-hmm. And the week leading up to the Chicago Marathon, I did about 45 okay. miles. So, relaxed, comfortable, and, uh, yeah, the legs felt, felt light enough. Right on. So, 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 given the fact that you were feeling pretty good, given the fact that you had met that goal in in Berlin, did you yeah. did like what was your mindset going into Chicago? Because last time we talked to you, you had said, "Oh, well, you know, Chicago is just going to be kind of a victory lap and, and all that sort of thing." But then you went out there and you ran yeah. hard. Uh, so when the race started, the elites and the semi elites mm-hmm. they left probably about one minute ahead of Corral A. And I was right at the front of Corral A. And there were about 10 other runners that left 
quite fast. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I want to hang on to those guys. So I went out with them, and then we caught up with the the woman and semi-elite group relatively fast, actually. Um, And then uh, we were in amongst the group that I wanted to be in as well. So, yeah, from that moment on, I just kind of kicked on. And as I said, the GPS was, it was gone in the first kilometer. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what pace I was going. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where I was Mm -hmm. uh, Mm kilometer-wise. So, yeah, I just went on field. Mm -hmm. And now, again, in hindsight, that worked. That was yeah. great because I didn't, looking at my watch, I just went by the splits and the clocks on the course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the further I got on and the further I felt quite good, mm-hmm. I just kept going. And um, yeah, then I think the half was 112.50 something mm-hmm. for this one. I thought, uh, well, there's a possibility I could beat 229. So let's go for it. And from the half, I just kind of had that mindset and the Chicago crowd was just incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, And I think in Germany, obviously most of them speaking German, I didn't really understand what a lot of people were saying, (laughs) but obviously in America, it's just incredible. You get the encouragement, um, the support and yeah, it just, pulled me through, especially the last five, six kilometers, three, four miles, it definitely helped. Um, And then, yeah, when the clock was ticking on the 228, I had to put in a big surge up the last hill, Mm -hmm. that bridge. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't look much prior to race day, but at mile 26, it hurts. And uh, come around the corner, 200 meters to go, and I I was in full sprint mode to get to get to the 228 and uh yeah again thankfully managed to do it and um just a fantastic experience again absolutely phenomenal awesome yeah i was i was kind of blown away (laughs) like i said so 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 i I actually tracked you in in berlin i actually you know was following you and looking your splits and all that sort of thing i was like all right this is fun this is cool we're gonna say oh he's, he's on pace and then and then you just barely got it which was super exciting right yeah um and and yeah, I didn't really know that, that you were kind of backing off on purpose in that last little bit. I was like, oh, he's hanging on, he's hanging on. And then I didn't do that uh-huh. Chicago. I had a few people that I was tracking, a few people that I coached that are doing it. And it was like six hours after the race was over. I was like, oh, wait, let me see how Robert did. Expecting to log on and see that you had done like, you know, 320 or something like that. And uh, yeah. and and I was like, it says 228. What was 228, 30-something? Um, and I was, yeah. like, I, was, I was like, wait, what? And I, I, I checked it and double checked it again, like re-entered your name. And then, and then I wrote to you and said, said Robert, <laughs> yeah. this was not part of the plan. <laughs> but I was oh, psyched. I just thought it was brilliant. And I couldn't believe what happened either. Um, surreal experience. And, uh, yeah, as you said, Lindsay Flanagan to overtake me going into the final few kilometers, there was a lot of cheer for her, yeah. obviously, being an American elite athlete and um yeah just such a phenomenal experience to be you know i'm grateful that thankfully i'm genetically gifted a little bit to be a runner and uh, to run close with these these people it's uh yeah it's an amazing experience from only starting out running five years ago to to coming into the kind of these competitions and really enjoying them. Uh, right on. Yeah. Hope it long may it continue and I stay injury free. 
Right on, right on. Super important, obviously, to stay injury-free and maintain that consistency. But, yeah, I mean, clearly you're training well and training right and, and performing super well. What were the uh, – uh-huh. so so you're the first person I've kind of talked to that, that was on the scene in Chicago. And, of course, I know you saw what Bridget Cosguy ran and, you know, this – just mind-blowing yeah. world record. Um, what what were the conditions like there in Chicago? I mean, were they they must have been perfect, right? Well, temperature-wise, absolutely perfect for a marathon. I mean, I had um, I had clothes that I wore before the race started, and I just threw them away as the, the gun went off, right. basically. So I, w- I was relatively warm mm-hmm. um, before the race started. Mm-hmm. As soon as um, we kicked off. Yeah, the conditions were fantastic, but there were it was relentless wind in your okay. face, really? north, south, east, west. Really? Um, it wasn't the strongest of winds from the local Chicago people I've spoken to. Mm-hmm. It was a mild day, but it was windy. It was definitely out there, and it was uh, in parts there were forces of wind that you had to battle against. So um, it wasn't easy in plain sailing. Um, but temperature-wise, the sky was blue, the sun came out, but you were shaded from the tall buildings and things. It was a beautiful day. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, maybe Mo Farah will be complaining that the wind affected his performance yesterday. Right, uh, right. But he, he, he probably will be, but it's it's hard to say that the conditions weren't quite right when uh, when the women's winner broke the broke the world record by over a minute. So. Uh, yeah, That's just, very, very true. Yeah, yeah. For sure. All right, so so the obvious next question is then, so you have New York now in three weeks. What's the plan? Yeah. <laughs> is that going to be a victory lap, or are you going to try and run 227? Or, you know, what, what's the yeah. plan? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's going to be the plan now. I've got three weeks, and, uh, you know, most – most people going into a marathon, they do their last long run three weeks before it. So there's no reason why I've not got enough time to actually attack it again. Um, and that's definitely the plan. I would love to go 227. Um, even faster would be more amazing. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to plan out for the 227, definitely. Um, and it would just be a nice little memorial of 229, 228, 227, three majors. Um so that's the plan. I'm definitely looking at that. I'll need to work out how much faster I need to go for this. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be the plan. Um, definitely. Right on. Right on. Very good. Well, I will definitely come to New York. I'll definitely be tracking you a little bit more closely as opposed to like what I did in Chicago. In New York, I'll actually be tracking you on the day. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, or, or maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should just forget about it and 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 do exactly what I did yesterday in order to give you better luck on New York Day. Maybe maybe that's what I should do for you. Maybe instead. go for that one. Okay, so give on me that, the more luck. So on that note, though, so are you going to in New York? Are you going to use a watch? You're not going to use a watch. Uh, that's a good question, actually. Um, yeah, I might. Actually, I might not use the watch. Uh, just have it as a timer yeah. and uh, run on feel again because it definitely stopped me from looking at it so much. Yeah. Um, um, it's a very good question. It's something I'll definitely consider leading up to the race, but I, I felt better not looking at splits every four minutes or so. Um, so, yeah, de- 
That's a very good question. I'll consider that. Yeah. You, 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 you have three weeks to think about it. Plenty of time. Absolutely. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, yeah. I, and, I, and, I, and I will tell you, having run New York, and everybody else says this as well, the same way that like the tall buildings in Chicago mess with your GPS and throw it off, the same thing happens in New York because um, the yeah. tall building and also because of the covered bridges. Um, and so, yeah. so eventually your watch, and also because there's so many turns, um, that eventually mm-hmm. your GPS is going to get off from the actual course markings. And so, you know, yeah. there, there, there's some value in not going nice. by your watch because ultimately the time that they get for you is the time that matters, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. It's definitely something I'll consider there. Um, most likely I won't go with the watch. I'll just go with the time. Um, I, I did feel better. Also, because I run in kilometers, uh-huh. the miles really begin to throw you as the race goes yeah. further. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard you and Patrick talk about numbers during mm-hmm. races. Yeah. You know, I also cannot compute in the last five, six miles of a marathon. I'm, I'm all over the place with numbers. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, not looking at splits is definitely uh, the way forward, I think. Right on, right on. Very good, very good. Well, congratulations again. Um, I know that... that, that Last time, the only thing that you said that, that we forgot to talk about last time was, was, was your diet in Korea. Um, that you said, yeah. you said you eat kimchi almost every meal. Have you been? Were you able to find any kimchi in Berlin? Have you been able to find it in Chicago? Or are you going to be, <laughs> be eating when you go to, uh, to, to, to New York? Yeah, to be honest, uh, I've lost the Korean diet for the last three weeks, and I'm just back to typical Western starchy <laughs> foods and vegetables and things. So maybe that's um, it. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe the diet thing doesn't actually help. <laughs> Just eat everything in moderation. Yeah, um, right. Keep it healthy, keep it colorful, and uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to go. Uh, and on that note, the Chicago deep pan pizza. Wow, I'll never go to a Bombos ever again. That's uh, it's ruined pizza forever for me. It was so del- so good, so delicious. Right on. Um, right on. Right on. Yeah. Very good. Well, Robert, hearty, hearty congratulations. I hope to be emailing you yet another congratulations post-New York, um, but uh, but super psyched for you, and, and we really appreciate you sharing your experience at Berlin and then at Chicago with us. Uh, likewise, George. Uh, I can't thank you enough for uh, allowing me to be part of the podcast. Love listening to them. Uh, the science base, the mental base of it, it's, uh, it's a truly great podcast, and thank you for allowing me the time to to be a part of it as well. Absolutely, Robert. Absolutely. Stay in touch. I will do. And good luck to you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, by Blue Pineapple Travel, and by SlayRx. If you want to reach out to me, you can always find me, George, at itlcoaching.com. If you want to reach out to Patrick, it's Patrick at itlcoaching.com. Or you can send us a podcast email at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast, and we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. If you want to find ITL Coaching and Performance, they're at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash performance. If you want to find Blue Pineapple Travel for all your travel needs, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, bluepineappletravel.com, and instagram.com slash bluepineappletravel. See all the incredible places where folks are traveling thanks to Blue Pineapple Travel. 
And of course, our newest sponsor, SlayRx. You can find them at slayrx.com, at facebook.com slash slayrx, or on Instagram at instagram.com, here for the number four, here for SlayRx. Don't forget the discount code as well, Pleasant2019. That'll get you 10% off anything at their website. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger, this is George Darden. Thanks again for joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.